the Jewish Divorce Project. Because marriage doesn't always work out and chicken soup doesn't always help. two months it's late yeah. for you dude it's nine i know wow it's been a very long day it's like sheva yeah. outside of her natural habitat i know it's unna- unnatural unhealthy did you see a lot of clients today or do you not see clients over the weekend i don't usually see clients over the weekend um Smart move. especially not when i have my kids but just there was a couple of other webinars and things going on my son Applying to college. My daughter has about mitzvah season. Uh oh. Nonstop. So we finally get to do this in nine. What, what kind of what kind of community you are part of that your daughter has bar mitzvah season? Bat mitzvah. She's in a Jewish school. All her friends. Oh, Jewish day school? Yeah. Is it an Orthodox Jewish day school? You betcha. And the girls still have bat mitzvahs? Yeah. Really? Wait, explain to me your question. I didn't realize in Orthodox communities that young girls had bat mitzvahs. Wait, wait, what do you, you think it's just not acknowledged? I mean, as far as I know, women don't generally count for a lot in Orthodox communities. Okay, well, Orthodox community has a wide spectrum, so it happens to be- You're absolutely right, it does, but I didn't know any part of the spectrum. They're in a modern Orthodox. Bat mitzvah. Definitely. It's not at the level of bar mitzvah. Like bar mitzvahs tend to still be far more extravagant. But the bat mitzvah is celebrated. It's still a thing. It's a party. Okay. Um, yeah. I guess depending where you are on the the spectrum. No, no. (laughs) She doesn't read from the Torah. (laughs) We don't do any of that. Does she say the blessing that actually makes her a bat mitzvah? No, we don't do that. It's so just about the party. This? It's what the party. Of... <laughs> so she gets a party. She gets a party. That's so great. basically, it's not the bar mitzvah at all. Not at all, but it is. <laughs> Got it? Now I do. Yeah. No, it's no. the same, but totally no, I'm different. Totally clear. I'm totally yeah, clear. Yeah. The same, but different. Got it? <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> Hers um, is in a I'll few months. It. In like in a month, we have to plan her party. It. Her bat mitzvah party. Um, you mean her party? Her bat mitzvah party. It's 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 bigger than a regular birthday party. It's not <laughs> okay. a birth. It's, it's like, like a sweet sixteen. It's in between. My my kids and I used to play this game. It's like a guessing game. It's like what's bigger than a motorcycle but smaller than a truck. A sweet a sixteen. Car. <laughs> so like you're in a theme right so it's bigger than a party but smaller than a bar mitzvah is is a bat mitzvah <laughs> <laughs> it's it's pickleball because it's, it's yeah it's smaller than tennis but bigger than ping pong you know you don't have girls so you you're not gonna get to you don't know <laughs> you're right i have boys you don't know you just have bar mitzvahs wait wait for that i'm scared enough as it is we enrolled him for bar mitzvah he's all set He's on the track. He's got a date. It's got a Parsha. It, it, uh, so, so not Orthodox of you. We enrolled him for a bar mitzvah. He's enrolled by being born. Well, no, he's not enrolled by being born. He's enrolled in a program that will get him bar mitzvah. 
that he will embark he's just you know, learning on that his journey Torah through. portion. He's learning his Torah portion. He's learning the half Torah portion. He's going to give a drash and everything like that. He's going to lead part of the service. He's going to work How on old the is he? project. I mean, now he's 11, but he'll do this by the time he's 13. So how, when does he start practicing? Uh, well, now it's kind of more casual. He's just in religious school. So. Okay. Yeah. The girls get off easy. Yeah, they do. For now. not expected to do anything. For now. But it really comes back to bite us in the ass later. You, it does. Absolutely. Because <laughs> you're not expecting anything of them. And you, don't exactly. think they, and you don't think they really matter. You don't take them seriously. No, it's because. I'm pissing off all the Orthodox people that listen to no, our No, I just figured it out. It's because boys, we really need to distract them at this time in their life. So otherwise, really unsavory things might happen so in order to distract them fully we're going to start bar mitzvah programming them for two years as they hit puberty it's a brilliant tactic girls we're fine if you think that it's something like spiritual education can be a form of physical castration you're wrong lady like there's nothing stopping that (laughs) if anything it puts them in closer proximity to the people that they're trying to like get with what yeah well it's not supposed to be co-ed what do you think happens at bar mitzvah parties there's a lot of slow dancing it's the parties of the afterthought, but it's the it's the years beforehand where it's distracting, you know, all it's really just two years beforehand, they're too cowardly to do anything. There's a lot of bravado, but they would never follow through with it. There's a lot of talk. I say that from my own children and also working with children. There's a lot of talk. I'm telling you, it's 13 and over when it starts really happening. That's when you have to worry about it. Hmm, well, I went to an all girls school. So Are you excited I... to plan this with your ex? Since this is a podcast, oh, we're, we're in planning mode. It's happening in around six weeks. It's so you a, planned it together, or you planned it, and he said yes. No, we planned it together. We're yeah. excited like that. Um, yeah, it, he tends it tends to defer to me. I th- I think because I care more about certain details. Not not that I care very much yeah. about much of many of these things, but um, but like we we we'll work through these things together. Mm. It's our last one. So it's sentimental. That's a relief. Is it a relief? <laughs> Finally. Um because you're done having to plan it for the kids. Yeah, I'm I'm so torn about these things because you're right, there really isn't any real religious significance. They haven't done anything to earn this acknowledgement or this transition. It's you know, there's no accomplishment that has actually happened. And so much of it these days is so cultural. It's just when did this when did this bar mitzvah bat mitzvah become this extravagant affair thing so much money is spent oh on it. it was there's there are articles about this and there are articles about how synagogues worship the b'nai mitzvah process because or at least they're just beholden to it because of how much money it brings in you look at this rate of synagogue attrition after that too membership attrition after b'nai mitzvah right. just drops off people are there well, in the orthodox yeah. world it's it it's a little different it's not a, it's not about the shul. Like the shul right. doesn't really make money off of it. It's right. the caterers, the halls, <laughs> so all of those. I wouldn't even say the synagogue makes money off of it, but it is expensive. And the, the way they the way they make money is because you generally have to join the synagogue for a couple of years beforehand to become a member of the synagogue, and then that you know in and of itself brings in money. So that's what it is, and that's why membership drops off afterwards because people are just like we don't need it anymore. Yeah, I don't know. So I'm just relieved to to be done with that part of it 
that's yeah, really good. I guess it is fun. It's nice to be the center of attention. And you know what? At a Jewish day. wedding, when all your kids get married, the everyone's supposed to do a mazinka for you. Right? They're supposed to like clean the floor. They <laughs> so dance. It's funny that you say that. No, the mazinka is your is the last child. It's not right. The last child that gets married. Yeah, it's the broom. It's the broom yeah. dance. Yeah. Yeah. So my brother, I have one brother left, and he's so excited that he's going to get the mazinka dance at his wedding. That's really although. Nice. It's questionable if I'm I'm not married either. But, but I think at second, some point, at some point, am you I considered married. already like if he, if he gets married now, is he considered the last one? Yes. Okay. Yes, you were married. Thank you, point. Rabbi. They didn't say the okay. marriages needed to last. They just said they needed to be married. <laughs> they really need to be clear about these details. <laughs> they should. They should be much clearer, but they're not. Because. Uh, so, but there should be really something like this. I to be swept away at, at my wedding by a broom. There should be something like this after you do the B'nai Mitzvah. Like after you do it for all your kids, someone should do something. Oh, like sweep the kids out. What a lovely <laughs> metaphor. And the kids just clean up all the shit. <laughs> all the party supplies. Mazinka. Have you ever been at a wedding where they did that? Oh, yeah, my own parents. We did it at my younger sister's. I actually think it was yeah. a double Mazinka. Because I think her husband. Uh, he also was, the last? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. A double mazinka. <laughs> double mazinka. Wow. At the wedding of 79. So how's your dating life going? <laughs> is that the only topic of interest? This is what people want to hear. I couldn't get our guest, so she'll come another time, but People want to hear about dating. They want to talk about dating. It's a widely popular type of episode whenever it comes out. There are numerous podcasts dedicated to the idea of it. Mm. So we have to do every few months, do a check-in. I've got nothing to say. Nothing to report here. You, you take it. That Really? That's how entertaining you are at this point? Is that like that is all you've got going on? Well, the most exciting thing party. in my life right now is that I'm up past 9 p.m. That's uh, <laughs> what I've got going sense. on. Makes sense, right. What else would you be doing on a Sunday evening? Well, I I would be watching the new show, the new movie called Marcel the Sh Marcel the Shell with Shoes on. Have you seen it? Why do you want to see that? It's animated. Have you right? seen it? It's animated, right? Oh my god! Did you watch the originals on YouTube? I think so. It's adorable. Okay. I don't know. It's it about a shell, though, smile. right? It's about a shell, but it's very deep and it's, you know, You're it's so very, weird. very well done and very funny. Watch the original. so it's... weird. <laughs> I'm telling you. I can't you. even imagine what it would be like to date you. I was just watching it with my 17-year-old. You're so weird. By weird, you mean awesome. Then yeah. Sure. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I mean. Did you get a haircut, by the way? I did. Thank you. It looks nice. Thank you. Was it a little bit shorter before? Like even Did I get a haircut and make it longer. No, I mean, like, was it at a at like, how old is this haircut? Oh, I got it on Friday. Okay, so it's not that old. So it wasn't that. Yeah. Well, I I've, I've maybe a lot grew then... in between when you initially got the haircut and when. Oh, I've gotten a few. It. I got one a few months ago, and it was kind of lopsided. So I've been fixing it since then. Have you been fixing like, it on your own? No. But I never, I don't really have time. So it's been a very long process whenever I do have time to go run out and get it fixed. So it's, it's been a, a month, a few months work in progress to, okay. to fix this haircut mistake. All right. Uh, but it doesn't really matter because 
here I sit. And nobody's looking at your hair anyway, other than <laughs> here me. I sit right. or nobody's sleep at night. Complimenting PM. your hair. Yeah, so what's new and exciting? If you're not watching Marcel the Shell with shoes on, what oh. else is exciting in your life? Uh, I mean, I'm not dating either. Dating fucking sucks. Um, you know, I meet some nice people, but it hasn't really gone anywhere. Um, and also did something foolish and met a woman, not really met a woman, but connected with a woman, um, all the way in Florida, actually. Um, oh, we're the worst. Why would you do that? Well, I mean, it just kind of happened through an app and, um, she's very attractive and, uh, you know, we hit it off talking and whatnot. And so, um, it just, it was a pain, it's a pain in the butt. So though, you know, I mean, cause it's like, she's all the way in Florida and nothing's going to happen. And so are you going to come visit us? There's nothing going on. It's just a bunch Me and of the mystery mess- woman. It's just a bunch of text <laughs> messages. Hmm. Yeah. But it was also a shitty summer when it came to dating, too. Just sucked. Seems like you've hit that post-divorce. There's that initial divorce, post-divorce. It's so exciting to go on the abs and to date. And, you know, everything's new and there's all these opportunities and it just feels so freeing. And then it gets very old and tiring very quickly. And now you're in that. It's a good place to be in, though, because then you emerge from this in a much better place where I guess you so. can take time and distance. No, trust me, I've been down this road, and it's a good place to be in because it, you know, it gives you time and space to really reflect on what you need, what you want, what you're choosing. You know, it's not about just filling the time or distraction. It's really about making choice in relationship. But you got to go through this part first, this slump where dating sucks. It's part of the process. So I don't know what it is. Like, I think I'm a catch. I say that humbly, right? Like, I'm a good guy, right? I got a good background. I got a good family, made a good character traits, right? Um, you know, I mean, I, mostly you don't have appreciation for awesome animated movies. Clearly. Shows, but not, other than that. But I notice when people get haircuts. So there's that. Um. <laughs> And it's just our, our bar for men. <laughs> well, it's so low. I don't think so. That's just it. Is that like if your bar for men is so low, why haven't I succeeded it so many more times? Because it feels like the bar is actually that much higher. Uh, and that's you the, feel like you're well, not, not passing people's bar. Yeah, is that what's wrong do, with actually. it? Yeah, really. And I have a good sense of self worth. Like I, I love myself. I and there are things I wrestle with, right? But at the same time, I have a good sense of self-worth. I know exactly what I bring to the table and what I'm capable of. I know that I have a lot of love to give. And I'm in this particular, you know, point in my life, or at least right now, the way it feels is, you know, that I want a relationship and I want to be in love with someone and express that and share that and spend time with them. I mean, it was, oh my God, it was ridiculous. I'm watching this funny show called Chad and JT Go Deep. Uh, it's these two actors playing like these surfer bros and all they do is go to public committee hearings and meetings and they like petition for different things to happen and they talk about saving the stoke right and they're like way to go bro right all the time um i'm not doing it justice but it's funny is it like um, a modern day bill and ted boat to- what is in it? some way but like social justice and they're not like idiots they're just like 
you know, they're clowns about it, right? They wanted a place in San, was it Santa Barbara or something like that? Or San Bernardino. Um, they were there and they were petitioning the city council to have open space in public where they could sun their perineums. <laughs> you know what that is? Right, so I hope everyone looks that one up. But like, <laughs> so they do stupid things like this. And I'm digressing about this whole point because all they did was talk about going to Catalina because they were going to go do something in Catalina. And they mentioned as part of going to Catalina, it's a great place just to get away for the weekend. And I thought, you know, I would really love to have someone to go to Catalina with. Right. And spend the weekend with them and it have, you know, just be us. Um, That would be really wonderful. And I miss not having those and, it's frustrating, and that's why dating particularly sucks right now because it doesn't seem like there are any fish for anything like that. Oh. I'm telling you it's a good thing, though. Um, it's, it's, the world operates with a yin and a yang, and it's good to experience the wanting and the missing and the just that feeling of things being off because then when it aligns and when it feels right and when it gets in the groove, you're that much more appreciative and ready for it. That's just been my experience. I, yeah. I, I look back at it with hindsight, the ups and downs. I've totally been where you're at. And I think it was a really important part of, of the journey. And you know, what, you know what helped me a lot is, because um, I tell people, I know for myself, dating on apps and dating in this world you have got to have an imaginary um, bulletproof outfit or armor. <laughs> You've got to like zip yourself up and not take things personally. And just thinking, also understanding that the things people are attracted to, the things people are looking for, aren't always necessarily the healthiest things. And a lot of people aren't even aware of our subconscious wirings that play into who we desire and who we want. And more often than not, those are not self-reflected and it's almost instinctual. So it's not necessarily healthy. It's based off of all these other stuff. And recognizing that, that I am just not, might not be fitting somebody's picture of what they think that they want or someone's subconscious um, desire that's based off of some childhood something. It really isn't a reflection or a rejection of me per se. I'm just not that fit for that person where they're at right now. That was helpful for me in terms of, okay, I'm not taking this personally. I I was actually thinking about this the other day and just in terms of like, you know, when people break up, there's a tendency, at least this is my history. And I think it happens to be the history for a lot of people. I mean, it's, well, it's the case it is now with someone that I know um, and that I dated, uh, but like generally don't talk to that person, right? Like if it's over, it's over. Um, and people, and again, my history is that like, I'm not necessarily friends with them. And this one that I've tried to be friends with, um, you know, she just doesn't want to, she doesn't want that. And that's fine. I can understand that. I, mean, I would never push that, but I've checked in on her because she had some health stuff. Um, and uh you know i wanted to make sure everything was okay and so um she doesn't want to let me know and that's fine but i think it's almost impossible not to take these things personally 
I'm not even about saying it about me, right? I'm saying about her, right? She's clearly taking it personally, right? Because I broke it off. And so she's upset about that. Well, um, I don't know if she's upset about that. You're making assumptions. Okay. I but it is so. personal to, well, you don't think so, but we don't know. It is personal to her, It's but not necessarily to you. Also, we don't know anything with certainty. So once we're kind of making up a hypothesis, why not make up a hypothesis that makes us feel good? But you know, we tend to make up one that makes feel bad, that we're not good enough or they don't want us or they're angry at us. And why? We, that's not verified. No, it it's could be any story. number one of those things. Right? You're absolutely right. So make up a story. Like I'd rather make up a story that makes me feel better about myself. I, I, I'm not, mm-hmm. but I'm not trying to beat myself up over it. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying though is that I, I can appreciate your approach to not taking things personally, and that may mm-hmm. be really helpful on a real superficial level when it comes to the app world because it's the app world, right? I get ghosted on that all the time, and I've done a fair share of ghosting. Right. And I don't think you really owe anyone anything if all you're doing is talking on an app. Right. If you've been out with someone, I think that's a different thing altogether. And there's a broad spectrum in between. We don't have to go into that right now, although it might be helpful. But nonetheless, that's where I think it's important not to take things personally is in the superficial nature of the dating app stuff. When you do start to really get involved in some with someone, I don't think it's possible not to take it personally. Right. They're rejecting you or at least the idea of a relationship with you, not with your job not with something that's related to you, with you. And so inherently, it may not necessarily say anything about your worth or who you are as a person. At the same time, that doesn't mean that it can't possibly hurt. Well, I, I think that it certainly, you said it can't possibly. I think that it certainly possibly can. It's not an easy process. The analogy that I've used for myself and for people that I work with is, If you are in a rowboat and you need to row, but you don't have any oars, and I give you a bucket, you're going to look at me and say, well, great. (laughs) I don't really need a bucket. bucket This isn't going to get me anywhere. This is useless to me. However, a bucket is incredibly useful. It's a wonderful thing to have, especially if there's a hole in your boat. So if somebody rejects you and doesn't want to date you, you are just the bucket to their needing oars right now. You are great. It is not a rejection of you as who you are. It's you are not filling their need in life at this moment. So that doesn't have to be a painful reality. Oh, okay. Maybe I wanted to be that person's oars, but I'm not. And I can't force that because that's them. That's their wiring. That's their, their makeup, whatever their desire on a deeper level, what they're attracted to, or just even their needs in life at this moment. I want to agree with you. I really do. Um, I actually like the analogy. I don't know where the whole fuck you're getting this idea of a hole in a boat from. You're just kind of changing the whole metaphor around all the time. No, the hole in the um, boat is if that's boat, when a bucket buckets instead helpful. of oars. Right. But okay, sure. Um, I wonder, though, like the the problem that I have with it is that it turns the reason why you would be in relationship with anyone as being transactional, right? That you have something that they need, right? And just because they need something different is why they went somewhere else. I have a really hard time coming up 
with a way to look at relationships that are not transactional. And even on a very, very deep level, there is always transaction. We are sure but there there is no reason why we would be so with give somebody me, so if give me it an didn't example though give me an example though because even if it is transactional i still don't think that distances the person from taking personal offense to it you were giving them something at some point at which they needed and then they stopped needing it so that is a reflection of what they need when they need it it isn't about you it's even more of a reflection that it's not about you because their needs changed. You didn't change. So if it was good for a certain amount of time and then shifted, the only dynamic that's changed is them. That's you totally on them. You still don't take a little bit of offense to that, which is to say, like, why why aren't I good enough for it now? Or why why can't what I give you be enough for what you need right now or what you need right now? I am not saying this is an easy process. And I this has taken me years and I'm not right. bulletproof, but I have definitely come a long way in terms of not taking things personally. I really use that. Or I don't know, one day I came up with that or bucket thing and I, I really said it to myself in my head. And it's very comforting. And it has taken a lot of hurt and pain and rejection to be able to get to this place of I am just not what they need in this moment. And it is not a reflection of me. You know what? And sometimes it's a equally important question to say, maybe I did do something. Maybe it is the way that I am or something that I did. Do you not want to be needed? Do you not want to be needed by anyone? Do you feel like I'm saying that? Yeah, I feel like you're, in some ways you're expressing that you have no need to be needed. You're okay, that's fine. If someone's needs change and they don't involve you, say that again. There's a difference. If somebody rejects me, they are telling me that they don't need me in this moment. So I don't need to sit there and think about how hurtful that is and how they're rejecting me. If we, if I meet somebody and we both want each other and need each other and match up, then we both are in the relationship where we need each other. But why should I sit and pine and be feel rejected by someone who doesn't want me? That's not me not wanting to be needed. I think, I think you've kind of answered your question and you're an answer there. I, I think that's precisely what it is, right? They don't want you anymore. They have rejected you. <laughs> no, they have chosen when it, their when own at one needs. Point, when at one... Reframe it in a different way. They have chosen themselves and what they need. And I'm irrelevant. It's neither good or bad. I am not, I'm neutral in their life. I am not what they need. So I cannot argue with that and my me sitting in pain is arguing with the reality that they don't want slash need me and when i say need i don't mean need on a superficial level like yeah. need me in their life to do things it's right. that underpinning of what we're yeah again i i hear what you're saying and i and i want to agree with you uh, um I think if you spend enough time with someone, if you become intimate with them in certain ways uh, or in all the ways, whatever you want to say, and then their needs change and they want to be with someone else, I think it's hard not to take that personally. And I think and I think you're amazing and I think more and more and more you're like a robot because you have this amazing way to compartmentalize things 
and just kind of, even if it's taking you time, I think, um, I, yeah. Well, I'll I, stick with the part where you said I'm amazing. But I'm sorry I'm not more this, articulate, but like it's, you're... It's not that I don't feel the emotions of it and that I'm immune to the feelings of hurt and rejection. It's that I will spend a far less amount of time sitting in it if it's futile. If there's something for me to learn, discover, process, I will try and spend time there. But in the past, it is, you know, it's that obsessive thought that stays in your head. Why don't they want me? Why didn't they want me? What did I do wrong? That leads to nothing and is also the wrong question that we're asking. There is no answer to it. That's what I've gotten better at at not doing. Okay. That makes sense. I can certainly appreciate that. Practice makes perfect it. No, it does not. Practice makes better. Let's be clear about that. There is no such thing as perfect. Practice makes better. That is very, very true. So you're better at this. You're better now going through relationship rejection and knowing that someone doesn't want you. That actually is a really wonderful trait, I think, even if it does make you a little robotic. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I, I do think Said I'm like a true robot. It. Yeah. Um, I think so. I think I'm able to snap out of it. And and also, it's it's kind of, it's so different if you're talking about at the beginning of relationships. You know, you go out with somebody once or twice, and then they don't want you. Versus a very complicated relationship with complicated emotions, and that that is a little different story of the ending of a very serious relationship. Have you ever process. been in love? Who? <laughs> Have you ever been in today? love? I just want to talk about Marcel the shell. The no, <laughs> no. <laughs> Have you ever been in love, Sheva? Yes, I have. Really? Really. With your husband? That's a great question. Um, to some degree. But it was different also, than the other love that you felt for who? I think it's different. Well, I was so young. And and then in relationships after that, I was just more self-aware and um, just a different time in my life. So, you know, the experiences I had were different. How about you? Yeah. When you say that you were young, and we can get back to me, but we're not done with you. Don't shift yet. Uh, okay. But you say you were young. How young were you? When I got married? No, when you fell in love. Oh, because no, you asked me if it was my marriage in my marriage. I did. And then I, th- all right. Anyway, how, <laughs> the first time you fell in love, right? How young were you? How old were you? Post divorce. Oh, so this was post-divorce. So you'd already yeah, been I mean, I had once. crushes and I had, okay, those, so, you know, is that considered love? No, I don't think a crush is considered love. I think there's a lot of reasons you could be crushing on someone and not necessarily also love them. I mean, I had like the boy next door kind of situation growing up, like this boy that I loved, but we didn't, we had like a really minuscule relationship. Um, it's definitely ongoing and there was definitely that feeling there. But yeah. we never really developed it into any type of real relationship. Where we're right. No, we're that's giving to one another. No, that that's that's puppy love. Is a no. Th- that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like love. Like you really, you really love someone, right? And so, yeah. yeah okay, so it happened post divorce. That's really wonderful. Yeah. How long did you date this person for? I would say there was there was two relationships post divorce. Um where I experienced that. And also each relationship gives me in a way something to build on in terms of 
who I am, what I need, what I can do better. And so then the next relationship following that. That's wonderful. I think exponentially better. Yeah. So what's your great. question? I think that's great. <laughs> how long was I in a relationship? They were both roughly around two two years. Okay. I was just curious. I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. We've never really talked about this. You know, I, it's, I, I guess I wonder about you uh, and love and whatnot. And like the general idea of how you treat it. Like, does Sheva fall in love? Does that happen with her? Does she swoon? Right? Does Not she very get, easily. Right. I've like always that, been. Like you're really cerebral. So I wondered about that. True. I've always been very, I wouldn't say obsessed, but very inquisitive about this idea of love. What is love? What does it mean? I have a whole theory. I have a whole equation of what yeah. love is. Because yeah. I'm I'm going to figure this out. This doesn't make sense what this is. If you want, we can do a whole podcast on my equation of what love is. Ooh. If you're if you're interested. Okay. Um, that could be fun. The love equation. Really long time. The my love, love equation. equation. Yeah, it has four components. Does it really? What, makes what are the major yeah. components of it? Oh, well, it's based off of our four main needs. And uh -huh. it's about um, the feeling of significance, the feeling of connection and belonging, the feeling of safety, and then the feeling of passion and gotcha. and um, fun and excitement. Gotcha. And it develops from there. This is your but love equation. It's my love. Yeah, my love theory and the formula. The formula. Get it? Formula. Um, oh, that was just amazing. Is it at all based on the need for a real sense of humor? <laughs> yes, it's number four. Is it's it? uh, excitement, fun and excitement. Um, yeah, that's my theory on love. Okay. That's really lovely. I don't have a theory on love. <laughs> well, you're, you're very right. I am definitely in my head a lot. And so it's, I'm going to try and figure out what is this? What gets in the way of it? Is can this be manufactured? You know, can you because if you look can at love our culture be manufactured, nowadays, is that what you're saying? Can love well, be not manufactured. manufactured, but can it be cultivated? Are we getting it wrong? And I think we're getting it very wrong. Like, look at the divorce rate that's happening. Look, you know, both of us are, are divorced. What are we getting wrong in terms of love? And I think I I think I may have mentioned on this podcast, I heard it once mentioned somewhere that Walt Disney was the most dangerous man on earth because he or Disney culture has really created this idea of love of the Prince Charming is going to come and wake oh, up to the yeah. beauty and save her. And, oh, yeah. and we all have these expectations the one. of what love is, right? And I don't think that that is what love is. And if we don't discuss, explore, and think about these concepts, we're raising kids we, or we were raised to just be so excited about love and then we're swept off our feet and we don't really know the components of our relationship and what deep love is. And, and then, you know, 10 years later or however reality hits. There's a great article that came out several years ago and it was like one of the more popular downloaded articles of the year. Maybe it was the most, and it was written by Alain de Botan, who's like the foremost philosopher of love. Big fan. Yeah. We should talk about his stuff. Um, and the title of the article was why you will marry the wrong person. And yeah. it goes it's into a YouTube whole... video if anybody wants to look at it. Oh, is up. it as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, oh, makes, he puts okay. most of his stuff out. The School of Life puts a lot of That's stuff out on these little short videos. Right, um, right. They're like three to five minutes long. They're awesome. Right. 
Um, and he has one why you will marry the wrong person. Yeah, um, no, and it, and he's, I mean, he's brilliant in the article and the argument he makes. And so now every time I go on a date, I do like the what's your ugly or what's your, or how, how are you crazy question. And it's a good way to actually break the ice and start building intimacy I, and remove that. Like, <laughs> well, that's more aligned with my approach. It's that there is, that if we go with our gut feeling, this idea of falling in love, then we might be missing some very important aspects of this. And also- right. So often the feeling is based on unhealthy things. Right. It's based on a desire to recreate attachments from our childhood, to repair, to... Are you reading Harville Hendricks and getting the love that you want? I have read it. <laughs> Wonderful. Yes, it's exactly that. It's recognizing the relationships from your past and trying to repair them through your new adult relationships. And you're saying... This time I'm going to be a value. I'm going to get love from this type of person. And it usually fails very dramatically. And that's what I'm talking about when I say so often people who have not done any work on themselves don't realize that that's the motivating factor between who they're choosing. So if they're not choosing me in that moment, I'm okay with that. that Good sense? for you. I'm glad that you're well adjusted. <laughs> working on it right <laughs> work in progress so how about you have you ever been in love oh yeah um before i was married and when i was married and and then after yeah i mean post-divorce i've probably fallen in love twice um never actually shared it with the women um, what yeah um, Now's your chance if you want to do a shout out. No, that's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, then I start getting phone calls. Why didn't you say it about me? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, and that's uh, and I. Think what held you back from sharing it? I wasn't sure if it was the right time. One, I thought in particular would have scared her away. Um, so I just was trying to be more patient. I'm not, not generally patient about things. And so trying to be patient with relationships and other people and how they feel is something that I'm really trying to do and take it slow and easy in that way. I know I can be a lot, right? But I think that's also what makes me a, a real catch, right? Is that I have a lot to give. And and I think, and I certainly, and, and I feel things deeply. I mean, one of the things I've really come to realize about myself um in the last few years is just that i feel things deeply and there's nothing i can do about that like it's not just you know it's not like i'm always depressed right i feel sadness is apart from depression or, or or stuff like that um um but like when i feel sadness i feel it deeply when i feel anger i feel it deeply same thing with joy and same thing with disgust um and i have to learn and i've i've had to learn just to like dial them back in that way right so that it's not so intense um, but yeah, How did you know this was love. What what made it feel different? Uh, the way I felt about it, the excitement about seeing her, the way she made me feel, the what she brought out in me, um, you know, the energy I received from her, and the energy that was cultivated within as a result. Significance, belonging. Go on. Sure, I'm sure they are. Right? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they touch on all your ideas. Um, <laughs> but yeah. And I, and, and those, that's a feeling and an experience that I really enjoy, that I really enjoy. And, you know, I, I very much want to put to work, right. Things that I've learned and be seen in that way. And, 
appreciated in that way too and loved as well and that's what makes this so bothersome is that you think you got a lot to offer you, you know unfortunately it's dating app culture um there aren't a lot of places where you can just generally go and meet people um you know at least not that i'm comfortable with um and uh yeah it just doesn't manifest and you can't rush Do it you fine, regret not saying it? Do you think that maybe would have changed the way things are, the way things happened? Or mm. was it a good call because it just would have made things harder? No, admittedly, I think um, part of not saying it was also, I mean, and I feel good about it because it was also a safety thing on my part was not sharing it um, and not wanting to make myself vulnerable in that way and potentially get rejected. Yeah. When so when the, my last my last one yeah. <laughs> my last love um <laughs> yeah um I had a rule in the beginning that because we, we said it very early on yeah. there's a lot of feelings and I'm like it's only a bedtime expression <laughs> it's like we can only say it in bed <laughs> Like, but this is not something that we can say out of bed when yet. the lights are <laughs> off and you're not facing each other it's like well it just makes sense like in bed it just like it just comes more naturally but i'm like this we are not ready for this like in life when yeah. we are not in bed yeah. so there was there was a progression of when when i felt we were allowed to say it to each other and then it, i forgot you ever about say it, it when looking at each other ever in life yeah yeah, yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But there was just this initial rule in the beginning that it could only be in bed. That was, that was the rule. Okay. And then I forgot about it. And I I think he brought it up. And I was like, oh my God, that's so funny. <laughs> God, <I did> that. <laughs> but you know why? Because it felt maybe my analytical brain was like, it's too soon to actually be saying this. There isn't any real basis on this. So if we're actually going to really be saying this to each other in real life it feels trivial you know i get that in the heat of the moment or things like that we say things and we do mean it at a certain emotional level but when we're going to say it out like when we're out of bed i really want it to mean more i want it to have been in the relationship longer to have to make it actually authentic so how long into it was it when i allowed it to be said out of bed <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> how long first of all did you feel it in your, in your motherboard when did it detect the feeling of love right and then when did you actually express it using words oh my god i i and i probably would know the exact date of everything that you just said i would have to ask him um i think the initial in only in bed was maybe around six weeks um which yeah. is soon i feel yeah. like right yeah, that is kind of and sad. then i don't think my rule lasted very long it's very hard to actually and then it was like well can, if one of us is in bed one of us is out of bed can you say it <laughs> it gets very complicated but i also <laughs> wonder see here's the other thing i wonder about you is that like you don't seem like someone who like tosses that around like you're not calling from the other side of the house like honey i love you right like that's not like something you do I'm, I'm I'm thinking about you don't say things, you, perception you, of me. You don't call <laughs> you don't have like pet names, right? You're not saying like schmoopy or anything like that. Cupcake. You um, probably say things. You probably say things like sweetie. No, I I refer to him by his by his Mister by his official name. 
Mr. <laughs> sir. I love you, sir. What is your next command, sir? <laughs> this, that's how I communicate with him. Mr. Um, Goldschlager, what is your next command? <laughs> Nailed it. And the name Goldschlager, um, too. That's a good name. That was your question. I mean, when it becomes part, you know, as the relationship develops, then it becomes more okay. said and thrown in all the time. Love you. Bye. Okay. Speak to you later. Love you. That's definitely is something Bacheva can say <laughs> and okay. has said. All right. More power to you. I, if you want, I can probably pull up a recording of me having said I love you to somebody if, if we need it as evidence. It's <laughs> proof to show I'm that sure you actually, ha you actually have a heart. <laughs> somewhere out there, there's evidence of that. Well, folks, <laughs> if you would like to hear Sheva say I love you to you, <laughs> maybe on your birthday or your anniversary or something. Oh, you know, I could be one of those... Um, What's that website where you cameo? Is that cameo? Yes, right. and all I say is I love you. So I love you. <laughs> great idea. <laughs> then really my kids will finally have it. <laughs> just you have to do it like annoyed, like you're just bothered that you have to do this for people. I will have different levels of payment. They get different attitudes. Right. <laughs> I think it's a great idea. I do too. <laughs> So if you want Sheva to tell you that she loves you um, or someone that you know that she loves you, reach out to us at the Jewish Divorce Project at gmail.com or check us out on the web at the Jewish Divorce Project, the Jewish Divorce Project.com. Do you want to say what, anything what, about what, social media? <laughs> social media is out there. We're on it. <laughs> <laughs> and I love you. We're going to put a reel of Sheva saying, I love you. I'll do it all different. I love you. I love you. I love you. Oh, How's that's that? good. I like the new Thank emphasis. Right. Really smart. <laughs> Thank so you. you can do that to us at uh, the Jewish Divorce Project on uh, Instagram. And on, on all the stuff. On all the stuff. And Sheva will tell you that she loves you. Mm -hmm.